Good morning, church family. I just am um, excited about uh, being with you this morning. And I know that uh, as we continue to shelter in and, and uh, take care of this uh, coronavirus, I think it's going to be a wonderful opportunity for us to uh, not only catch up on some things, but uh, rest and uh, to, to share with those around us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, this morning, I wanted to put a tool in your hand. Um, we are recording, and so uh, we're going to be on a uh, YouTube channel. And so in doing that, this gives you an opportunity. Uh, I think it's really cool how God gave me the, um, put it on my heart to uh, preach evangelistic messages over this time period. And so uh, you have really have the opportunity just to um, share this with a friend that may not know Jesus. And um, I want to put this tool in your hand today so uh, you can uh, share that. Uh, please use it as such. Uh, the more it gets out there, the more the gospel will get out there. But, um, you know, we're just trying to help people uh, get straightened out with God. And um, we're going to go ahead and dive in here. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 3. If you want to open your scripture up to John chapter 3 uh, and get your uh, notepad ready to take some notes. Uh, but I know God is going to use this in our lives. You know, becoming a, a father twice in the 1980s and again twice in the, in the 1990s uh, wasn't always easy. Uh, there was a lot of pressure to have dads be in the delivery room. Uh, when the babies were born. And I think maybe it was different for my dad. Um, towards the end of the 50s and the, the early to mid 60s. Uh, when he was pacing the floor in the waiting room. You know when our oldest son was born. I was in all of the. Uh, I, was, I was all in with the breathing exercises and all that stuff. And really just doing everything I could to help out. I, I thought I had my roll down cold. You know I did a. a fine job in the uh, delivery room. I, mean, I felt a bit dizzy a couple of times, but it, and, and at one point I'm sure I looked a bit pale. Um, it was funny because after the birth, uh, they moved us uh, from the, the birthing room to a regular room, and uh, we were visited by my parents. And uh, Tracy was laying there in the bed, exhausted from giving birth. And uh, my parents came in and they checked on us and Noticing my pale countenance, they quickly went out to the store to get me some vitamins because they thought I, I looked a little bit peaked. And I'm sure Tracy was probably thinking, wait a minute, I'm the one who had the baby and he's getting the vitamins? What? So about 10 years later, we fast forward for our youngest son uh, when he was born. And it looked, I, I took a much more laid back approach. Uh, we had decided to have a home birth with a midwife. Now, when Tracy first broached the subject with me about that idea, I was thinking, oh, great. We're evangelical conservatives who own firearms, who homeschool our children in Oregon. Uh, we've got to be on a government watch list somewhere. You know, remember the, the Rajneeshis, the, uh, well, here in Texas, the Branch Davidians and others and to top that off, in my mind, when Tracy mentioned the idea, my first thought was, okay, great. Now we're going to become tree huggers and we're just going to eat granola. Um, <laughs> gratefully, that wasn't the case. But anyway, this time I, I took a much more laid back approach to the whole birthing thing. I mean, there were no classes. I already knew what to do. I was a seasoned veteran. 
I mean, it was no big deal uh, from my perspective. Uh, when Tracy went into labor, we called our parents to come and pick up the other children, and, and uh, we notified the midwife, and she brought an additional midwife with her to help, and man, they just took care of everything. Um, even doing all the cleanup, they, after the birth, they, they did all of our laundry, and you know, they even, the next morning, they cooked us breakfast, and um, man, it was great, so I would so do that again. Um, I'm not sure if Tracy would agree to giving birth again with no medication and without the epidural block. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there, there's nothing like the birth of a baby. I always remember the birth of each one of our, our children. But I do hope Tracy forgives me for how much I enjoyed having our baby at home. Um, okay, we're going to be in uh, John chapter 3 today. And uh, what we have is we have the first of Jesus's. 12 discourses or uh, sermons or teachings, if you will, in, in the book of John. In chapters 3 and 4, uh, we kind of eavesdrop in uh, and into two different private conversations that Jesus is having. He had one with a, a couple of Israel locals, if you will, one man, one woman. Uh, the man was a respected religious leader. He was a Jew. He was someone that people looked up to. Uh, the woman was not so respected, uh, a Samaritan, and someone that was looked down upon. Now, both of these people, they, they took Jesus' words too literally, and they missed the deeper meaning. Both had sincere questions, and both of them Jesus works with very patiently, but he offers both of them eternal life. See, in our text, we're going to see the clearest explanation of what it means to be born again. John tells us in the first verse that a well-respected leader and teacher of the day by the name of Nicodemus, he came to Jesus one night to discuss the matters of religion with him. And we're going to pick it up and we're going to read um, down through verse 21. So it's a lengthy passage, but read with me in your scripture and uh, we will discover what God's Word says here in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again if he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel? 
and do not understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you did not believe, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has descended into, into heaven, but the, the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, And men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds might be manifested as having been wrought or made in God. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. I pray that you, your Holy Spirit would just speak to our hearts and draw us to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that you made on Calvary, on that cross for each one of us. Father, we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, but you gave it as a free gift to us. And for that, for the salvation that is found alone in Jesus Christ, we are most thankful. Guide us today as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Nicodemus, he came at night, probably not to be uh, because he was afraid to be seen with Jesus, but because the nighttime hours would provide an uninterrupted time for him to have a long, lengthy discussion with the rabbi who was causing such a stir. You know, in the resulting interview, we see several important insights about the experience of being born again. In order to understand this birthing class, we need to know a little more about Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And if you're a student of the Bible, you probably have a negative view of the Pharisees. You think they were probably legalistic hypocrites, maybe who hated Jesus. But that's not entirely true. In the first century, the Pharisees were widely respected for their intense piety and their deep scholarship. They were men who devoted their lives to the study of the Torah and to its application to daily life. They truly wanted to obey God's law. That meant studying the Bible diligently. That meant praying for two hours a day. That meant giving a tithe of everything that they possessed. And in general, just being very scrupulous and and concerned about morality. I mean, there were only a few thousand Pharisees 
Because not many men wanted to make that kind of personal sacrifice. Those who did were held in very high esteem and they were honored for their commitment. Having said that, the Pharisees made a couple of basic and tragic errors. They externalized their religion and they believed that if they just worked hard enough that they could make their way to heaven. Some of us may be on that path this morning. Let's look at the necessity here of the new birth. I mean, Jesus interrupted the diplomatic opening that Nicodemus made by confronting him with an unavoidable imperative. He says in verse 3, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That means it's necessary to have the new birth. It's a necessity. Notice Jesus did not say, maybe, or perhaps, or I want you to be born again, or I hope that you will be born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. See, the main reason that you need to be the new birth is so that you can see and enter God's eternal kingdom and to avoid His judgment. See, without the new birth, you're spiritually dead and cut off from God. And if you die without the new birth, you will perish. But the verses that we are considering today also teach that you need the new birth so that you can understand and respond to spiritual truth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So Jesus draws a sharp line here between the physical birth and the spiritual birth. By flesh, by the word flesh, he's referring to human nature and the natural man. You know, as we see in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, because of Adam's sin, we're all born into sin. We're separated from God and unable to submit to God. As cute as they are, little babies are not born spiritually neutral, much less with an inclination toward God. See, we're all born alienated from God, and so we need God's Spirit to impart spiritual life to us so that we can become God's children. Even in this book, in book of John, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on His name. And verse 13 says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there's this divide between what is born of the flesh and what is born of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 6, verse 63, He said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And the words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the new birth is necessary. Meaning God must intervene 
in order to give us life, to give us new life. Otherwise, all that you do, you are trying in the flesh, trying to improve itself. But the flesh can never give itself new life. That only comes from God. So it's essential that you experience the new birth, that you must be born again. And that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. In verse 7, Jesus repeated the statement with an emphasis on the word you. In other words, Jesus said, Nicodemus, even you must be born again. Graduate of the Palestine Bible Institute, the Law of Moses School of Training, and the Jerusalem Conservative Theological Seminary. Nicodemus, that's not enough. Even you must be born again. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do. It doesn't matter what you accomplish or what the world thinks of you. You cannot bluff your way into God's kingdom. You cannot buy your way into God's kingdom. You cannot barter your way into God's kingdom. You cannot be baptized into God's kingdom. The only way to be in God's family is to be born into it. And you must be born again. That's the unavoidable imperative of the gospel. So we, we understand the necessity that we have to be born into the kingdom of God. But what is the meaning of this new birth that he talks about? What does it mean to be born again? The word translated again is the Greek word anothen. The word can mean three things. I mean, the word can mean again, like for a second time. When you repeat something, you do it again. So the word anothen can mean again. This word can be understood on a strictly physical level, and this is evidently the way that Nicodemus understood it, as we see in verse 4. He said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can, he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? The word can also mean anew. Being born anothen can mean to experience in the course of an earthly life a beginning as new as birth itself. So it can mean being born anew. It can also mean from above. That is, to be born again can mean to experience a change that is from above, that it's, it's from God. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about a physical birth, so the first suggestion doesn't seem adequate. But what about the other two? See, in its fullest meaning in the Greek, this word anothen, it includes both the idea of being born anew, but it also has the idea of being born from above. Being born anew from above. See, being born again is an experience brought about by God which brings a change, a newness in our lives as new as the birth itself. And it seems to be changed, to be given a new direction. So Jesus is not talking about the physical birth 
So the, the first suggestion seems inadequate, but what about the other two? In its fullest meaning, anotha means, has the idea of both of those being born anew and from above. So being born again is an experience brought about by God which brings a change, a newness in our lives, as new as birth itself. It means to be changed, to be, giving, to be given a new direction by God. Let's talk a little bit about the method of the new birth. I mean, how can this new birth occur? How can a person be born again? Over and over again, Jesus presented this simple answer to that. He says, if you believe. If you believe. Believe is one of the key words in John's Gospel. The word appears about a hundred times in the Gospel of John. The word in one of its forms appears seven times in this chapter. See, belief is the key that unlocks the door to the experience of being born again. We must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to believe? To believe involves the mind. To believe means to acknowledge and to accept as true certain facts about who Jesus is and what He has done. But I would submit to you this morning that to believe also involves the will. Accepting the facts as true is not enough. You must also make a life commitment to Jesus. Putting your faith, your trust in Him. If you will believe in Jesus Christ, then you too can be born again. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. You must be born again to see eternal life. See, genuine Christianity is, as Puritan Henry Scogel, he titled his book, Genuine Christianity, and he, he wrote that it is nothing less than the life of God in the soul of man. And he wrote that book, Genuine Christianity, in 1677, when he was 27 years old. A year later, he contracted tuberculosis and he ended up dying at 28. But then in the early 1700s, a 21-year-old Oxford student realized that his debauched, wicked life needed to be reformed. And he resolved to change and he denied himself every luxury. He wore ragged clothes. He he ate no foods except those that were repugnant to him. He fasted twice a week. He gave his money to the poor. And he spent whole nights in prayer, laying prostrate down on cold stones and in the wet grass. But he felt like he was putting a coat of paint on rotten wood. His outward deeds only hid his inward corruption. Then a college friend of his, Charles Wesley, gave that struggling young man named George Whitfield 
a copy of Scogel's book. Whitfield read Scogel's book with amazement and with delight, and it told him that true Christianity is the union of the soul with Almighty God. It is Christ formed in us. This is what Whitfield said. When I read this, a ray of divine light instantaneously darted in upon my soul. And from that moment, but not until then, did I know that I must become a new creature. After having undergone innumerable buffetings by day and by night, God was pleased at length to remove any heavy load and to enable me by a living faith to lay hold of His dear Son. And oh, with what joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory, was I filled when the weight of sin left me and an abiding sense of the pardoning love of God broke in upon my disconsolate soul. Whitfield's favorite scripture became John 3, 3. It was in the King James Version. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. George Whitfield went on to preach more than 18,000 sermons. Often on this text, sometimes to outdoor crowds of over 20,000 people with no microphone at all. He made many trips to America. And he was used greatly by God in the, the first great awakening. In one of his final sermons, he said, I am now 55 years of age. And I tell you that I am more than ever convinced that the truth of the new birth is a revelation from God Himself. And that without it, without the new birth, you can never be saved by Jesus Christ. You know, a friend asked him one day, why do you so often preach on ye must be born again? Because, replied Whitfield solemnly, looking the questioner right in the eyes, he says, because you must be born again. You know, sometimes we think that of the love of sin that sends people to hell, we often think of it as being a notorious sin. Something bad, something horrible. But the simple demand to be the Lord of our own life is enough of a sin to deserve condemnation before God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, the one and only, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. If there is one sentence more than any other which sums up the gospel, the message of the gospel in John, 
That's it. For God so loved the world. See, the love of God is limitless. It embraces all of humanity. No sacrifice was too great to bring its unmeasured intensity home to men and women. The best that God had to give, He gave. His only Son, His well-beloved. You know, it would be a tragedy to spend your whole life studying the Bible and yet end up perishing on Judgment Day. What a waste it would be to, to a, a Bible scholar, to become a Bible scholar and yet miss the central message of the Bible. Jesus said to Nicodemus, and he says to each one of us, you must be born again. Let's pray together. Loving Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for making a way that we could be saved from, from hell and from eternal separation from God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sin, for giving that ultimate sacrifice so that we could be made right with God, so that we no longer stand in judgment, but we stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Father, we are so thankful for you giving your best. I pray, Father, that wherever this message goes, wherever this video travels, that men and women would understand that they must be born again in order to gain eternal life in heaven with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, use it for your glory. And God, we are so blessed to call you our Father. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. I want to encourage you, if you have a decision you want to make, we would love to hear from you. If you want to call the church office here in Temple, Memorial Baptist Church, 254-773-6831. If you want to uh, email us, you can email us at office at memorialchurch.us. Please look for updates in the coming weeks on uh, Facebook. Uh, look for those updates through our emails. Um, and God bless you, and I, I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.